Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, it is John L., your friendly neighborhood movie lover, and I'm here to talk to you about quite the experience I had in watching a film that was part of the New Earth Film Festival. The film I'm talking about is Maestro, the new uh, Netflix-produced, uh, Bradley Cooper-directed film that will be streaming on Netflix starting December 20th, 2023. Why the experience, you say? Well, folks, as part of the New York Film Festival. I was there for the opening night of this movie, which was screened at the legendary David Geffen Hall, better known as some, as the New York Philharmonic. Why is this venue important? Well, the New York Philharmonic is important in this sense because the movie Maestro is based on the life of legendary composer Leonard Bernstein. Leonard Bernstein used to, for lack of a better term I'm going to use, be the head of the New York Philharmonic for many, many years. So for the exhibitors and the people who run the New York Philharmonic, uh, the New York Film Festival, should I say, to partner with Lincoln Center and the New York Philharmonic to set up David Geffen Hall to show a movie for the first time ever in the venue and the only time ever in the venue was unprecedented within itself uh, they had a quick presentation of of Mr. Bernstein's children that were up on stage uh, along with um, the writers and the producers of the film as well uh, Bradley Cooper was not there uh, but they the writers and producers and some staffers uh, were presented before the film um, started showing. Uh, we had some uh, very nice words spoken uh, by Mr. Bernstein's daughter before the film began. So that within itself was an experience. As a person who is not a listener of classical music, and or a person who's never been to David Geffen Hall for any reason in his lifetime, um, never had an inkling to go to a New York Philharmonic presentation because it's not the type of 
music I've ever been exposed to. Right? Also, if I'm going to be fair about this, there is a big socioeconomic divide between folks who look, sound, and come from where I come from in New York, and folks who frequent the New York Philharmonic, that area of New York, and things of that nature. I say that matter-of-factly. I'm not saying at any point that I was ever mistreated or anything like that. It's just more or less the separation between the communities and cultures that live in these areas. But that being said, I want to honestly say that when I stepped into the building, the first word that came to mind, or the first term or phrase that came to mind when I walked into the building, I was like, yo, this shit is fancy. <laughs> you know? Um, because the reality of it is, like I said, not exposed to that thing. Those type of things. I've, I've never been to that venue. Not to say that I'm not allowed there. Of course, I'm allowed there. I went there, you know, but it's like this different, you know, it's not, um, for lack of a better term, uh, it's not the Apollo, right? It's not for people from where I come from. It's not the United Palace, right? <laughs> um, you know, and those are venues that I've been to before for different types of presentations and things of that nature. Um, but those are the venues that my people go to, if I'm going to put it that way, right? And I'm not talking in the sense of segregation, don't get me wrong, or separatist stuff. It's just more culturally and historically, that's the way it's been. So for me to enter into this place, plenty of people of color when I got uh, when I got there, sitting in the audience, experiencing this film, loving this this film and the experience. I'm not trying to get at that. I'm trying to tell you from my point of view, from my perspective, how I felt, how I saw it, and I was like, "Yo, this is fancy," <laughs> you know. Um, when I went to go sit down, I got there on time. Because usually by majority, you know, if you want to put it this way, folk of my ilk get to places late, right? That's the that's the, the historically go, uh, ongoing joke. I got there on time. I get to my seat. Not everybody was seated. Probably for like another 15 to 20 minutes. And then they had the stage presentation with Mr. Bernstein's children and the... Uh, the folks who helped make the movie, right? And that took like another 10 minutes. When I tell you that it was the first time 
in a very, very long time where I saw people just file in to a venue. And let's call David Geffen Hall for this particular instance, the movie theater. It was the first time in a very long time where people were filing into the venue and there was a legitimately a legitimate buzz in the air about this movie what people were about to experience how we were presented the experience and everything else in between it was just it was a one of a kind experience that won't get repeated again just being able to sit in the venue um, for anybody who's listening to this and has ever been to uh, David Geffen Hall the New York Philharmonic I sat in row FF there wasn't a bad seat in the house unless the person in front of you was tall or wide right so I didn't have any viewing issues they had the screen and the sound system installed into David Geffen Hall within the last 36 hours of the presentation of that movie and to tell you that the movie was visually striking and the sound the soundscape of this movie which was utterly important to this film was top notch they didn't miss the mark on projecting the Dolby Atmos soundscape that this movie pumped out. Now with all that being said, that is the setup. That is the experience I had in the venue. What about the movie? Here's about the movie. That is a two-hour and nine-minute runtime. Like I said, Netflix is distributing this movie, and it'll be releasing for streaming on December twentieth. According to RottenTomatoes.com, it'll have a limited release in theaters. So be it that I did watch this movie, and I'm gonna be specific as to the date. I watched this movie. I believe it was October 2nd, but let me double check my calendar. Uh, here we go. October 2nd, which was a Monday. November 22nd, the movie will be released for a limited time only in theaters because Netflix wants this movie to be an Oscar contender. And it surely will be 
movie was written by Josh Singer and Bradley Cooper, and Bradley Cooper directed the film, as I stated earlier. It's a rated R, strong language, drug use. This is a biography, drama, romance, music, and it says LGBTQ plus film. So, on to the film. I came into this knowing absolutely nothing about this film. The only thing I knew about this film is that Bradley Cooper had taken some years to create this film. And on top of that, become, for as much as he could, become the protagonist in this movie, which is Leonard Bernstein. I knew nothing of Leonard Bernstein. I came into this movie with a blank slate. Only expectation I had, Bradley Cooper directing, Bradley Cooper acting, this should be great. And it was. This was a fantastic film. In contrast to other biographical movies, Bradley Cooper took time out in this film to make some artistic choices that I thought were one, one of a kind, um, aesthetically and visually pleasing, and also paying homage not only to the times in which Times era in which the movie was taking place, but also homage to film history. Not only Leonard Bernstein's history, but film history. Let me explain. The first, the introduction of the movie introduces us to an older version of Leonard Bernstein in color. Um, he is being interviewed by, I believe, someone who's um, shooting some sort of a interview for a documentary that was done on him that was aired on PBS. I could be completely wrong, but that's the notion I got. We start out with this older version of Mr. Bernstein and talking about obviously his craft, his love, his creativity, and his life. And we step into this part of sadness, this somber minute where he speaks of missing her. And her, in this case, was his, at this point, deceased wife, uh, Felicia Bernstein. We then travel back in time. I believe the interview 
took place. Let me get this right about Mr. Bernstein. I'm going to look this up as I'm... As I'm typing with you guys right now. Mr. Bernstein died in 1990. So I believe this interview that is real um, but they were just replaying should I say and projecting on the screen I think it took place in the 80s so with that being said when we transitioned from the color of the 80s into the black and white of the 50s let's say Not only did we transition to the black and white of the 50s, but we also transitioned into the dialogue, into the accent, into the vernacular, into the way of speak of the 50s, especially when it came to film. That real fast-talking, snared uh, type of dialogue that we were that the world was exposed to really through film so that to me was choice that to me was like wow like Bradley Cooper did something really cool here like I would have never thought that we he would have gone to that length to just give us what his life was like in 1950, not only just Leonard Bernstein's life, but the people around him as well, but in the fold of how people spoke in that era and how it was depicted in film in that era as well. That to me was cool. So in the black and white, you learned about where Leonard Bernstein was from, uh, who his friends were, how he ended up me uh, meeting his future wife in that case. Um, we met his sister initially. And we were introduced to the composer, the artist, the creator um, of Leonard Bernstein. A man who he wrote in many genres. Uh, symphonic and orchestral music, obviously, being the uh, the head of the New York Philharmonic for many, many years. Um, he was best known for his work on Broadway Musical, The West Side Story. Um, and certain symphonies that he wrote as well. And scoring as well. So he was the first American-born conductor to lead the New York Philharmonic, from what I'm reading here. So going through the early stages of Leonard Bernstein's life, not childhood, but Lenny as a 20-something, and learning about 
his idiosyncrasies, how hard he worked, the kind of man he was, and how he loved. And it was an interesting dynamic to watch on screen because amongst the people that he knew, Leonard Bernstein was open about his sexuality. But towards the public, it was hidden for a very long period of time. We then go from the black and white of the 50s and early 60s and we start to transition into Technicolor. We then start to transition the dialogue and the relationships and the interactions between all the characters in this movie, specifically with Leonard and his wife Felicia and how the relationship evolved and how it grew. They eventually had children. And how Leonard's sexuality started to become a problem in his marriage. Because at certain points, he started to get sloppy. What do I mean? Felicia knew that Leonard was bisexual. But at the end of the day, she was the only woman that caught his eye. But he also liked to have relationships with men. She accepted this. She was okay with this. Let me backtrack. She wasn't okay with this. She accepted it, but she wasn't okay with this. Um, because it was driving a wedge in their marriage. And at the same time, the point I brought up before about him getting sloppy, there was too much indulgence in the good times. Uh, drugs started to become a thing. And He just didn't know how to keep it tucked for her sake, for the family's sake, right? And that's all she worried about, the perception, how not only the family would be perceived, but how he would be perceived and would he lose everything that he worked so hard to to gain just because him being a bisexual man wasn't accepted in America but yet again like I said within the circles everybody knew but no one cared because it was just matter of fact it was normalized in that sense Now, when the children were growing up, that became another matter. His wife 
didn't want that for her children. He, on the other hand, you got, sorry, I got the, the intimation, not that he didn't care, but that he wanted them to know as they got older. He wanted to have these conversations, but admittedly so, I saw an interview uh, with Jake Hamilton, shout out to Jake's Takes on, uh, on YouTube, that Jake had with Mr. Bernstein's children. And admittedly, Mr. Bernstein never had those conversations with his kids. More or less towards the later years. But from my understanding, the children were never necessarily comfortable having these conversations with him. So it was never necessarily spoken about. But to them, and and as it was shown in the movie, they thought he was a great father. And he was to them for the time that he could be around and the time that he spent with them. But as most geniuses do, they have this ridiculous work ethic, which just, it drives them so hard and it distances them from the people that they care about the most. And you saw the plague on that in the movie. When we get into the into the color, into the sixties, into the seventies, teenage kids, now we're dealing with a more stark reality. Now we're dealing with a more modern, hard New York. A more harsh relationship between Leonard and Felicia. And the performances that were given uh, by Bradley Cooper And Carrie Mulligan, to me, were outstanding. Playing their parts in their era and seamlessly transitioning through the decades and the the style of speak and dialogue and just making the movie and the love story make sense and how everything was so well interwoven But then you saw the breaks in the relationship. You saw the hard times, but you also saw the happy times. But then you also saw times which brought so much reverence to the film of Leonard Bernstein, played by Riley Cooper, doing what he did best. Conducting and composing. Those scenes 
were powerful. They were they were as if they were taking place right then and there while I was watching the movie. Like there was a specific scene where Mr. Bernstein was conducting his um, his orchestra in a church and just the power of the music and how it moved the people not only in the audience within the movie but the audience that I was a part of I thought to me was like this movie did exactly what it set out to do you felt for the characters you felt for the dramatic instances that were taking place within the the interwoven relationships between all the characters and then the dialogue that was being spoken through the script but the but the music added so much to this movie that I'd be hard pressed to to think that not only does the score I'm assured there's a soundtrack that'll be accompanying this movie that the score the soundtrack the the sound engineering of this film does not get some sort of like Oscar nomination aside from the fantastic work that Bradley Cooper and Carrie Mulligan did in this film by the end of the movie as is factual we we come to find out that Mrs. Bernstein is diagnosed with a very um, with a very strong terminal cancer she ends up passing away Lenny Bernstein even with all his misgivings his his bisexual trysts and things of that nature throughout the years when he lost his wife he lost a part of him and it was such a sad moment to see it was such a sad moment to experience and what was even sadder was like years later um Mr. Bernstein was also a teacher. Um, he was teaching some sort of a music class, or I could be completely mistaken. He was uh, he was going through some sort of a practice with his orchestra, and um, a young man caught his eye, and they end up going out later that night, and they are. Uh, dancing at a nightclub or whatever the case is and they're all 
in, in, in what you would call like a, a present day nightclub scene. You know, very close to each other. They're dancing with one another. They're um, in each other's personal space um, in a very intimate way and things of that nature. But looking, and I'm not sure if this is what they were trying to project in the film, but the way that I took it, it was an older Leonard Bernstein. He was in this club. Yeah, he might have fancied this younger guy. They might have been um, physically attracted to one another or intertwined or whatever have you. But after the loss of his wife, it's like, even if, even if it was years later, to me it was like, this shit is sad, dude. Like, you shouldn't even be there. You know? I don't know if you want to call it ageism. I, I don't know what. But it's like, he was trying to continue to live his life the way that he lived it in his younger days. And it just looked out of pocket, if to, 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 to use a phrase. And it's like, dude, go home. Like, take it easy. You have adult children that live on their own, everything else in between. He didn't want to be at home by himself. He wanted to have that company. But it's like, man. Like, the years don't pass you by, man. This ain't life anymore for you. Not at this stage of your life. Like he just looked out of place. And it was such a sad moment that that viscerally caught me. Um and I get it. He was trying to get back out there. He was just wanting to continue um having relations with men and women both or whatever. But it just didn't sit. He missed his wife so much. And by the end of the movie, we get back to where we were at the beginning of the movie with the interview piece in his home. And it re reaffirmed him missing his deceased wife. And it's like, feel for you man but damn you know it's like when is enough enough you know and he continued to work uh, until his dying day he died at the age of 72 in 1990 um it just it was a it was a heartfelt movie. Um, it gave us the many layers of who Leonard Bernstein was as a person outside of 
his sexuality, the father, the man, the husband, the conductor, the director of the New York Philharmonic, the friend that he was to the people in his life, the brother he was to his sister, what he meant to his nuclear family, the, the, all those layers of Leonard Bernstein were covered all throughout this movie. And I thought it was spectacular and very well done for a person who knew absolutely nothing about Leonard Bernstein um, I can sit here and know to say that I respect the artistry I respect the man for being open as he was even if it was within his inner circle and not towards the public until the later years of his life. I respect that. Um, to his children, he was a great dad. Can't fault him there. No one's perfect, but they loved him nonetheless. And that showed in the movie um, his his children um, to get back to the um, the interview on Jake's take they loved how the film came out um, but they were scared they were scared about how Bradley Cooper was going to depict their father and how this film was going to uh, to shine a light on him but they are championing this film and rightfully so uh, this film Maestro gets the YFNMG stamp of approval I recommend any and everybody to go see it when it's in theaters for that week so it's going to be released on November 22nd so it's going to have a seven-day viewing span. Um, if they do this the way that they have, Netflix that is, you'll be able to watch this at Alamo Draft Houses, IPIC Theaters, and some Regal Cinemas. Because from what I remember, when they released... Glass when Netflix released the Glass Onion, the Knives Out story last year, I watched it at an Alamo. I tried getting tickets through AMC, but AMC wasn't showing it. So look out for that there. Um, so yeah, folks, that is my take. That is my review on Maestro. Uh, my experience watching the movie at David Geffen Hall and um, I know that y'all folks won't have that experience but believe you me if you watch this on a premium on a premium screen and with that Dolby Atmos audio cranked up which is why I'm hoping 
this movie plays at AMC's, I recommend you guys watch it in those conditions. But anyways, folks, thank you for listening. As always, I appreciate you all across the global YFNMG community. As always, please follow on whatever podcast platforms you guys tend to use. Please subscribe on the YouTube, either YouTube podcast or my YouTube channel, John and YFNMG. Head out there. It's been some rebranding done. Um, I'm on the socials as well, as well, folks. Uh, the Twitter machine or X, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and TikTok. John L. YFNMG, your friendly neighborhood movie goer. Be well, stay safe, and take care of one another. Thank you as always, folks. See you next time.